So I feel like basically this entire show will be about Metroid. And oh, no. Mike, Mike no. said, it's okay, we can do an entire E3 episode on Metroid. No, that's not true. No? No, no, no? it's not true. If there was anything other than a logo, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a show we can base around the fact that a number four has been added to the word Metroid Prime. There can be an entire show, but maybe next time. Uh, so E3 uh, going on this week. Very different vibe from past E3s, at least for me. We're going to talk about this. But lots of news, lots of announcements to go through. So let's just cut to the chase and talk about Microsoft and talk about the Xbox One X. A name that I really don't like, but that I guess makes sense from a marketing perspective. This is the actual Project Scorpio. It's now officially called Xbox One X. Um, shipping later this year, November 7, uh, $500. And Microsoft says, this is the first real 4K console. Never mind the PlayStation 4 Pro. This is real, true 4K. What is the difference? Does anybody know? Like, what? Why is this one true 4K console? Shahid, do you know? I feel like in real life we would all turn to Shahid at this point. Yeah. Like, please tell us. <laughs> 4, 4K is such a confusing area because you have 4K, you have Ultra HD, you have checkerboard rendering, you have native 4K, you have. Oh, whatever. You know, it just goes on and on. There's so many different variations. Then you have slightly more than 1080p. So you have people rendering at 1440p. Um, and then you have upscaling from that. And then you have filtering. And then you have all kinds of tricks like temporal anti-aliasing. And then we just disappear, you know. Us, us uh, <laughs> helpless consumers kind of get very confused by this. And really what we want to know is, does it look pin sharp compared to 1080p on a big-ass 4K telly? And the answer is for some stuff, it does. And it does on mm. PS4 Pro and it does on Xbox One X. So, uh, you know, Forza's is going to be absolutely fantastic on Scorpio. Sorry, Xbox, Xbox One X. Um, whereas Wipeout on PS4 Pro is also going to look absolutely pin sharp and amazing. Some things won't look so good on the supposedly 4K native console by Microsoft. So if you look at Anthem, it's kind of using a checkerboard rendering. So, you know, it, it's just marketing, you know. Does it look better on some of these consoles? If we look at the Xbox One X from pure power perspective, it is more powerful than the PS4 Pro. But right. you would expect it to be, right? It's coming out, what, about a year after? Of yeah. course it's going to be more powerful. Um, is it significantly more powerful? Well, it really depends because does that matter? You know, what's really important for third-party developers and publishers is you now have a solid and broad 4K console base to target. So never mind what 4K actually means. Let's just assume that the content will look better if you've treated it right on a 4K TV. So mm. is, is there going to be stuff that looks significantly better on those tellies? Yeah. But, you know, you go cast your mind back to the early days of HD. And there, there was a lot of stuff coming out that was still standard def, but up-resed slightly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it looked okay before it started to get uh, native. And I suspect the same thing will happen with 4K as well, that things will look better over time. Even Microsoft were kind of referencing this. Like, I can't remember the exact terminology they used, but they showed like four games and they were like made for Xbox One X. And then there was like a like 10 more games that was kind of like enhanced or something like that. Like yeah. there's some games that, that they're getting updates. So like the, there are a bunch of new games that I assume are going to output a, a, you know, a more power, right? As close to full power as this thing as they can do right now. Um, but then there are a bunch of old games that are getting updates, which I assume are just like upscaling of some description or new textures or whatever, like we saw in that uh, Eurogamer thing. Yeah, and unlike the PS4 Pro, I think the Xbox One games that get the announcements for the One X, they will have like a label on the box, so you can actually tell if it's going to look better uh, on your that's new good. console. Yeah, that's that's nice. So w what do you guys think of the, of the games that were announced? And I should say, the Microsoft event is the only one that I didn't watch. I only watched okay. the recaps and the trailers. I watched um, the whole event of this one. Okay, okay. So what do you think? 
So, okay, so they, were, they have 42 games that they showed on stage, which was very impressive, I think. Um, and 22 of them had some level of exclusivity, right? Like they're, Which was actually exactly what we were asking for, right? Like, like you've cast back to the previous episode, what we all said that we wanted to see Microsoft do was to have a bunch of games and a bunch of exclusive games, and they did that. The thing is, for me, a lot of the games that Microsoft were showing are mostly games that, like, I am not too interested in. And this goes... I was going to mention this later on in the show, but I'll mention it now. I feel like I have post-apocalypse fatigue. Oh, yeah. I am done. And this is the same with Sony. Sony (laughs) did the exact same thing, right? (laughs) I'm just done with zombies. I'm done with, like... I just I'm just not interested anymore. Like I I just don't this this like oh the world is over and you're the only one left. Like for me that ended with The Last of Us. Like that was the last of those games that I was interested in playing, which so I'm interested in how a lot of developers continue to move through this. Like there were a bunch of games like Anthem I think is one of them and and there was what is the name of the, the this Sony one? Is it some I can't remember the name of it. They, uh, they, they, Days Gone. Days, Days Gone, gone yeah. which Days Gone is like the worst of them for me because it's post-apocalypse full of weird zombies. Like I'm just, I'm just not interested in this anymore. Plus, every other game is just full of shooting, and some of them look good, right? Like Call of Duty, gone back to World War Two, it looked good, but outside of that, sure. I'm just kind of like I just don't want it anymore. There was, yeah. there's a couple of games we- that were in that were in Microsoft's press conference that I was interested in. Um, there was this one. Uh, was this in Microsoft press conference? The one where it's like a prison break type game, um, and you could play it as split screen multiplayer. I think that was the EA event. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that was at the EA event. Also, all yeah. the names of these games, I just can't remember them anymore, even though I've written a bunch down. But they did have some stuff that I was interested in. Uh, Player Unknown Battleground is coming to Xbox with some kind of console exclusivity. This is like this breakout. This is actually a game that was once a mod. Uh, which has now become this huge oh, game. There you go. Yeah, uh, and it's a huge PC game right now. Um, I've been watching a bunch of Polygon live streams. And it's hilarious. That that's coming to Xbox, so I'm excited about that. And they showed off like um, a bunch of Xbox originals, like their indie games. And there was this one called The Last Night, which was totally my aesthetic. It was like a 16-bit Blade Runner style game. Um, so I thought there there was definitely some stuff there that I was interested in. But so many of these games, they just mold into one for me now right and i just i just don't know how much time i have for a lot of these Mm. shooters Mm. anymore yeah i I get that like when i see people getting excited about the you know the new call of duty or the new uh wolfenstein or i am gonna try the wolfenstein game because the original one apparently was really good and it does have at least a really unique story to it it, they all look the same to but they me. They do look like, the same. They do look the same. You know, like yes, they're pretty, and yes, they're impressive from a visual perspective. It's just I struggle to to get excited. Like I look at something like Cuphead, for example, and I'm blown away. That looks fantastic, yeah. and it's coming out on Xbox finally this year. It seems I I so, am now in the uh, nervous phase about Cuphead because this is the third E3 that we've seen Cuphead, and I'm just like. Mm. Well, what was happening? You know, like why is it taking this amount of time? I, I, I have E3 nerves about this one. Honestly, I, I did think well, some of the interesting stuff about the Xbox One X, like the the price is fine. I, I was actually expecting it to be more than four hundred ninety nine dollars. Honestly, um, the hardware itself is very impressive. I don't know how they managed to do what they did in the case that they have. It's the smallest Xbox. I don't know how mm-hmm. that's possible. Well, given that all their previous boxes have been so large, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Well, and also, you know, they they have had a year over PlayStation, so you know, all of these chips are getting smaller. the The question I'd really like to ask here is, do they still have a brick? outside the box because that would make a big difference no i think ah. they don't huh. i think it's uh the the ac uh, the, the, what's it called the power adapter or something it's in the brick is inside well I if they've managed to do that then i'm going to be as impressed as mike I, i'm pretty sure it is um uh, 
we can maybe double check the specs, but I think it is because I saw it in the Eurogamer story and I saw the uh, like a comparison uh, spec sheet on Kotaku and said it was inside. Uh, I, sh- I, I kind of struggle to, to understand what the Xbox One X is for. Um, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, there's uh, the, the problems that Microsoft had with the Xbox One so far. It doesn't really seem to me like they're they're doubling down on finding exclusives, on finding unique games, new franchises, new characters to help sell the Xbox story. Instead, they just went like, well, now it's more powerful. Now it does 4K. Uh, and so I would have liked to see a better balance between the two of we have a more powerful console and here you go with five unique games you can only get on Xbox. And instead we got Crackdown 3 and Forza 7, which yep. are really good looking, but they're not necessarily unique and new. They're pretty, but they're not new. And I would have liked to see Microsoft trying more new things whether it was VR which was surprisingly absent from the show from Microsoft or you know just new stuff and I was kind of disappointed by that uh, because I I thought you know with the new console it's the perfect perfect moment to be hungry and to find new games Um, it just feels like there were more unique titles coming to Xbox in the 360 days than they are now yeah, I think that's fair. My question really is, how relevant are these 4K consoles, whatever you want to call them, when so few console players out there have got 4K TVs? Also that, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Like, it feels like the, all these companies, even Sony, they're talking about true 4K and, you know, HDR and all these fancy names, uh, white color everything and i'm still stuck with my (laughs) 1080p samsung tv and and i think a lot of people are like me actually uh we it's so confusing the 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 whole 4k uh scene like i was looking at some televisions a while back and you gotta account for oh you need to get an hdr model but then you gotta see if it's got low latency for games and then is it real 4k uh does it have hdr like all these details are so confusing and you know uh, basically it seems like a great quality uh, 4k hdr tv for gaming it can cost you up to a thousand euros at least for me so if you combine that with a new tv and the 4k console we're talking 15 16 100 euros and that is not cheap at all but- that's PC rig territory, right? Yeah. Now, with that kind of money, you've got yourself the most kick-ass rig you could possibly imagine. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think my idea But is, isn't well, that the customer they're going for? Do you, I, I mean, I struggle to work this out. I remember I was trying to imagine what kind of customer it would be, and it would probably be their core customer. And that's, um, my, that's my question. Like, there is there really a customer that is so... It's considered the pro customer, so the best specs, the best looking games, the best TV. Does the same customer really not want to buy a PC? Like, do these people even exist, the pro console gamers? Well, PlayStation has said that one out of five of their console sales are now uh, pro. So 20% of their their new customers are are pro. I I wouldn't imagine that 20% of the install base is pro. That would be... Uh, probably impossible from mm. from six months ago. So, my guess is what they mean is twenty percent of all new customers buy the Pro. But then the jump from PS4 stock to PS4 Pro is not as big as a jump from Xbox One stock to Xbox One X mm. in price. You know, mm. whereas in power there is a substantial difference between uh, the original Xbox One and and the upgraded up-resed one. So I will say that I do think that, like listening to the two of you, I do think that I am more um, impressed with Microsoft's showing than you two are. Um, I think that the Xbox One X, 
that seems like a more compelling console, and I think it was sold in a more compelling way than PlayStation presented the Pro. Like, because I think, like, if this is what you're going to do, then why not talk about how incredible a piece of hardware it is? Like, I'm not really interested in buying a PS4 Pro, but I am interested in the Xbox One X, but just simply because of the story that they told on stage about what they did to make it what it is. Like, I was impressed by the engineering prowess, like, of what they were able to pull off. Like, it impressed me. Like, maybe I fall within that market of people who are on a periphery. I'm more inclined to buy one of these than a PS4 Pro because a PS4 Pro, the, the, the selling thing, thing was like all of your games will look better, and that kind of that was it. But Xbox threw out more numbers and showed me more liquid cooling, and I'm like, do you know what, Microsoft? I'm really impressed. Like, I, I don't know what the difference is for me, but I'm impressed by it. Like, in the fact that it's smaller, I'm like, that's impressive. Like, you did a good job with the hardware. It looks nice. People seem proud of it. They talk about the fact that, like, they created this new processor method and named it after the engineer. It's like, they seemed like a company super proud of what they did. And I respect mm. that, like in a way where Sony, when they announced the PS4 Pro, was kind of just like, here is another console a year after for you to give us more money for. And that's kind of how it felt to me, where I feel like Microsoft are accepting that they are behind and are trying to leapfrog. And I think they did that. Plus, the games, they did have 22 exclusives, right? They did. Um, they, they, some of them are console exclusives, some of them are time exclusives, but they did it. And again, it's like, these aren't necessarily games that appeal to the three of us, but that doesn't mean that they did a bad job, right? Like, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay, like, Super Lucky's Tale, like, these are games that they have gone out and won, Right, like these are games that they have gone out and got. I but mean, like, yeah, but you just because you sea don't of thieves, like them, really? No, that is people. Are, I have seen a lot of stuff about this. A lot of people are excited about that game, right? Like, uh, just because you don't want it doesn't mean there aren't people that want it. And I, sure. I, and I am. So I think it's interesting. I think they did a good job. I think they went out and tried to do something. And honestly, compared to Sony. They had a way better presentation this year. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it doesn't take much. Out to of do the two of Sony. them, <laughs> Microsoft were were more impressive. And look again, like I've seen the Sea of Thieves thing. It doesn't. That game doesn't interest me. But I know I've seen a lot of people being very excited about this game. Like it There's is an open world online pirate game. Like I, I don't think that it is for me, but everybody uh, that I've seen play it, and I've watched some videos for it, like. People are excited about this. Now, I do want to just confirm, Federico, you do know which one of the two pirate games this is, right? This is the one yeah, that not Rare the, is not, making. Not the Ubisoft one, the, yeah. the Rare game. <laughs> and it just, I, look, I actually watched the videos, and it looks super boring to yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think I would like it either. But there are people that do <laughs> like sorry. this type of game, and if they do... Yes. But my point, my point is that like, it feels like the two of you are kind of just saying, oh, Microsoft did a terrible job, but I don't think they did. I just think they didn't do a job for me and you. No, no, you've got the wrong end of the stick. My my concern is not so much about Microsoft and the Scorpio. I'm going to buy one. I'm on the record of saying I'm going to buy one because I think it's a superb piece of kit and I'm just a technophile. My issue is more with the point you were originally making about everything looking the same and really 4K being a bit more of that and the same. I would like to see something that truly exploits 4K, that looks like it was made for 4K, that makes me want to go out and buy a 4K telly. You know, I could have a conversation with the missus and say, look, you know, I, I, I know money might be a little bit of an issue right now, but you know what? We, our lives would improve massively if we had a 4K TV. And this game is why, you know? <laughs> and then... Well, something I think is it's too happen. early for that, though, right? Like, I mean, this is like, you know, when a new version, when a new console revision comes out, so when we get the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, none of the games look as good as they will in a year's time. And I feel like that's the same deal with, the, with these 4K consoles. It's like, look, they're all optimized. Like, I bet, I bet Forza looks incredible, but it, it's not going to look as good as Forza 8 will. Like, I, I think we're in the same kind of revision cycle but we're just a little bit more blind to it because there's now a new console every year as opposed to every five years anyway but i think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on the whole about mm. microsoft on this one um and i hope that the microsoft fans out there are appreciating what i'm trying to do because uh i'm trying to fight for you i will say though microsoft 
Where's the VR support? Like, what is going on? Nothing? Nothing at all? I don't know about that. They're, I think they're waiting until they can do it wirelessly. But that's not going to be quick, especially now that they're, they're so into 4K. That's a good yeah. point. That is a good point. All right, let's move on to super exciting Sony. My God, it was so boring. I, I, I'm so pleased I didn't stay up for this one. I decided to stay. I was like, you know, it's 3 a.m. The show is at 4, you know, whatever. I'm just going to stay up. And my God, that was boring. Uh, basically, most of the games that I cared about were not new. Uh, there were some new titles and a surprise that made me really happy. But overall, there wasn't a lot of talking uh, it was basically like a series of videos, which normally would be fine. I mean, it works for Nintendo, but here it just felt repetitive and, and yeah, it was not really surprising and boring overall. There were, though, I should say, lots of VR games, which I know Mike is really happy about, so we're going to talk about those. Um, the highlights were new footage of Uncharted Lost Legacy. Looks super nice. I'm going to buy play the game but again it's not really new uh it, it looked like from a story perspective and the gameplay mechanic it looked really well done not like a cheap spin-off it looked like real uncharted game so that is very cool um the new god of war again not new but new footage uh looks fantastic you know kratos is a beast uh he's killing tons of enemies and monsters there's a kid uh that follows you around uh, looks great. Uh, I can imagine how on PS4 Pro it look gonna, it's going to look real pretty on a 4K TV. Uh, but then again, not new. What was new, but doesn't really excite me, is Monster, uh, Monster Hunter World. Apparently Capcom is doing this massive multiplayer online version for consoles as part of their efforts to make the, uh, the series more uh, interesting for uh, Western markets. I, I think it's probably going to work. This was like a tie-in with Nintendo. I mean, Monster Hunter's been on Nintendo forever, right? It's been on Nintendo forever because it sells really well on portable consoles in Japan. So uh, I think Capcom has uh, traditionally uh, kept the best stuff for Nintendo, just because it's done so well on the DS, 3DS, and I imagine it'll be terrific on the Switch. There's a Switch game coming. I think it's called Monster Hunter XX. Uh, so that's going to be huge. But I think the online version on consoles probably going to work because, uh, you know, not people like you and I, Mike, but there's a lot of people who are going to appreciate stuff like this. But again, during the keynote, yeah, not really for me. Shadow of the Colossus, you know, one of the, the second PlayStation 2 title from Fumito Ueda, the creator, uh, creator of Eco and The Last Guardian, is getting not a remaster, but actually a full-on remake for PlayStation 4. This is my highest point of happiness during the keynote. I was really surprised by this. Uh, I never finished the original game back in the PS2 days, so um, I'm excited to to play this again. I guess we can assume The Last Guardian sold well. I guess, yeah. Uh, so it's like, hey, can you give us more of those games that you make? Like, well, we have one. Because <laughs> it's going to take us 20 years to make a new mm. game. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the games that I'm, uh, that I'm excited to play is the, the new uh, title from David Cage. Um, yes, Detroit. You know, Detroit Become Human. That trailer and the gameplay, there's also more on YouTube. We're going to have links in the show notes. That impressed me. So the story is about androids becoming self-aware and in pure David Cage style, there's multiple uh, decision branches. Like you can uh, make choices in the game and the story is super intriguing. Like these androids, uh, they look like humans, they behave like humans, but they become self-aware. They form these sort of groups and you can decide what to do, your relationship between the androids and with actual human beings that's my kind of story, you know, that's that's the stuff that I like. So uh, I don't know when it's coming out. I don't know if, it, you know, I saw something on Twitter about the script being like through 2,000 pages long. So yeah, David Cage stuff. I like that. Um, uh, I want to play this. I can't remember when it was first announced. Was it last year or the year uh, before? Yeah, it, it was a while back. Yeah, I think yeah probably but it was, it was actually my favorite game of the show then because I just thought it was trying to do something different. Yeah. 
And it, it might not end up being as brilliant as we want it to be, and that is often the case. Yeah. But it just looked like it's trying to do something different. Like Mike, I'm really, really bored of the same old, same old. You know, we seem to have got stuck in Uncanny Valley and we just want to stay there. And as an industry, I just think it's a little bit tedious and I think we can do better than that. I think that's why Switch was such a breath of fresh air because it was just trying to do something different, shaking up play, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's why I'm such a fan of VR because it's just trying to do something different. I kind of, you know, all right, I I love the best AAA stuff, but there's only so much of it you can take. Yeah, it's like going to McDonald's every day. <laughs> You don't want to go yeah. there every day, yeah. Well, better than McDonald's, you know, but still. I was really excited about Spider-Man. Yeah, me too. Spider-Man 2, one of the greatest games ever made. Nobody has ever recaptured Spider-Man 2, right? Like, there have been many Spider-Man mm. games since, none as good as Spider-Man 2. Every Spider-Man trailer looks like it's going to be the next Spider-Man 2, so does this one. Uh, but it looks like this is like if you were making Spider-Man now in a post-Arkham Asylum world, how would you make it? And that's what it looks like this game is. I am really excited mm. about this. It's coming out kind of around the time of the new, or like you know, or fresh with the idea of the new Spider, you know, Spider-Man movies. But it's not related to them at all. Um, so I am very excited about that because it's not a movie tie-in because the movie tie-in ones tend not to do so well. But it is like a, I guess, a mostly original story. And I'm looking at the trailer, the gameplay stuff right now, and I've never seen something so beautiful. Like I'm so freaking excited dynamic. about this game. Like I don't really know dynamic. how they're doing it. I don't care. I just want it to be as good as I hope it's going to be. Like it looks just fantastic. Um, of course, it's Insomniac. It's going to be great. Oh yeah. Okay. I knew there was a good team behind it, but I couldn't remember who it was. And they seem like the perfect team for a game like this. So I'm really excited about this because in the right hands, the Spider-Man property is just superb, right? Like if you can do it right. So I'm super excited about how this game is going to turn out because the footage of it so far has been just stunning. This was the crown jewel, I think, of the of the Sony press conference. And I think you knew it, right? This went on last, didn't it? I think. I think this closed out the show. And for for good reason. Like, it is very, very cool. Very cool looking game. I can't wait for it. What did you guys think of the PSVR stuff? So this is my other really exciting thing, because there was a bunch of games, right? Like, there's like seven, seven games in like a showcase. Although the best title that they're bringing, they didn't even put in the keynote. They put in the pre-show, which is Super Hot. Like, Super Hot is considered one of the best VR games made, like, but it, they didn't put it in the keynote. They put it beforehand, which I don't understand mm-hmm. why they did that. But yet they gave time to the Final Fantasy fifteen fishing game. Right? Like, whatever. But there looked like there yeah. were a few interesting titles here. I mean, again, like, I don't I don't want to play Skyrim in VR. Um, but there is... All I'm happy about is that there is just continued game development occurring for psvr like that's all i want i just want to see them continue it right there's like a million of these things out there i want to see more and more of it and i'm really excited for super hot like that's the one that i want to play the most i've wanted to play super hot for a while because i've heard how good it is on like on the vive and on oculus so i'm that's a huge thumbs up from me like i'm excited to play more psvr games because there haven't really been any for a while yeah it's you know it's great that Sony is basically the only company that is actually trying consumer VR. Like, it's a simple, well, not simple to set up, but it's a simple idea. Like, you go to a store and you buy a VR box, and there, there you go. You don't need to care about specs. You just connect to the PS4, and it works. So I'm happy that we're getting more content beyond the original wave of, you know, multiplayer and sort of tech demos. We're actually still getting games and we're gonna get new games some of them looked like i mean be besides super hot which i'm really excited about but also the impatient uh it looks super creepy and scary yeah i'm not sure because um i i cannot do resident evil type of scary in mm-hmm. vr but mm-hmm. maybe this one with people talking to you in first person like super you know, anxiety levels rising, but not because of zombies and gross, you know, human flesh monsters. Tension rather than horror, right? Tension, yes. Tension rather than horror. That's a great way. That's more my jam. So 
I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And also, <laughs> no, I, can, I cannot say this seriously. I was going to say I'm, I'm excited about the Final Fantasy fishing game, but I cannot, I can, I can't go there. Like, why? 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 Like, uh, I you know. just did. No, uh, I, that was a joke, by the way, people. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not really getting Monsters of the Deep, which is a real title of a real game that is happening sometime in the future. Uh, we should talk about Nintendo, Mike. <laughs> Of course, but before we do, this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the U.S. Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for the community of over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver to you seasonal recipes with fresh, high-quality ingredients that to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Every meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. So by shipping the exact amount of each ingredient that you need for a recipe. Not only is this super convenient, Blue Apron is also reducing food waste as well. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee means that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. You can choose from a variety of new recipes every week. You can set your dietary preferences and also, if you want to, let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Upcoming recipes include warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons, and maybe even spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. They're delivered to 99% of the continental US, and there's no weekly commitment, so you just get those deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu and get three meals for free of your first purchase with free shipping by going to blueapron.com remaster. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com remaster today. Thank you so much to Blue Apron for their continued support of this show. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Oh my god, you made me hungry again. I know, I can't. It's too late in the day for these Blue Apron ads. I'm dying here. So, Federico, mm. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just talk about Mario. I'm excited because it looks so weird and so different and it doesn't make any sense. But then it kind of does. And, and I feel like I'm at the same stage where... I was with Zelda uh, before I was able to play it. I was like, uh, I'm not sure this is going to work. This is so different. What is Nintendo doing? Um, so Nintendo showed more footage of uh, Super Mario Odyssey uh, on the Switch. And the idea here is, yes, again, there's a central hub, which is called New Donk City. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's <laughs> it's based on New York City. Uh, and really, it's... Um, it does feel a little bit like GTA. You you can there's this miniature city. Uh, you can explore the city. There's a there's a instead of collecting suns or moon or stars, you collect moons now. So you can discover those, and then you can take your spaceship, which is called the Odyssey, I think, to travel to different kingdoms. And the game is uh, split up in a bunch of kingdoms. Uh, you can travel to those, and each of them as a theme. There's a sand. Kingdom, for example, that combines both sand and ice. I think it's called Tostarina. Uh, so we can definitely expect more of those. Uh, it just looks so strange because in New Donk City, Mario coexists with other humans. And because of the hat, we talked about the hat previously, but the main uh, quote-unquote weapon in this new game is the is the Mario hat. Is yeah. uh, the the, uh, the hat is alive. It's called Cappy. But we know what it does now, though, right? Like, we didn't know yes. the properties of Cappy before. We didn't know, but Mario can use the hat to take control of other living beings as well as objects. So Mario can possess a human, a dinosaur. The trailer opened with a T-Rex with a Mario hat and a mustache. So that's something that's going to happen. Mario can become uh, a spark of electricity running down a wire, uh, can become a rocket, uh, can become anything, really. You can possess Goombas, uh, Koopas, anything. And also you can throw the hat as a a weapon to stun enemies. And if you use multiplayer, which is uh, the news came out 
just a few minutes ago. If you use multiplayer, a second player can control Cappy and can defend you from enemies by, again, by sort of flying around and protecting Mario. Uh, it looks very, very different from previous Mario games. It's weird. It's a really weird looking game. It's a weird game. It's a weird looking game. And my original feeling, just like Zelda, is it kind of looks barren in some places and like there's not a lot of platforms. Like I'm seeing people during the gameplay videos opening the map multiple times, fast traveling to checkpoints, which is never a thing in Mario games before. And it feels like Nintendo is trying to apply the Zelda, the Zelda formula to Mario. So that makes me sort of skeptical. But on the other hand, it's so weird and I'm so intrigued by it. So I don't know. No, I, Zelda gave me hope, man. Like, I, I'm excited for this game because they took Zelda in a weird direction. So now I have faith in their ability to take their existing properties in weird directions. So as well... Yes. Everyone yeah. that's playing this game is saying that it's just incredible. Yeah. So Exactly. So that exactly that's what makes me optimistic because I'm looking at it from from my computer. I'm like, "Man, this looks so weird. What are they doing here?" But then I open Twitter and everybody's like, "I played 20 minutes or 30 minutes of Mario Odyssey and it's brilliant and it's totally what Nintendo should do now." So I'm like, "Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> Give me this game." Uh, what do you think, Shahid? Because, uh, you know, very famously, you love Mario. And and I just feel like this is your E3. It's all about Mario. So they, they did it for you. So I kind of I kind of want to know your, your opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that gracious introduction. Sure. <laughs> well, I've had some time to think about this. And I think I've changed my mind about Mario. Mm. Uh, and here's here's how it goes. It's not complete about turn. It's not a complete about turn. We broke him down. No, no, no. It's not that. I've been thinking. You know, all this all this time, I've been thinking about Mario as like an IP, and I don't think that Mario is so much an IP anymore as the vehicle through which Nintendo continues to reinvent gameplay. Hmm. That's a great point. It reminds me of what uh, one of the producers said uh, in uh, in an interview. and Or maybe it was the Reddit uh, asked me anything. But the question was, why did you come up with multiple mechanics like that Cappy can become anything instead of, you know, usually Mario games, especially 3D World and 3D Land, they had... Uh, a limited collection of gimmicks like Mario can become a cat or now you can control multiple Marios at the same time but they were a specific number of these special powers but now the number is just impossible to count because Mario can become dozens and dozens of different things and the answer was we were in the prototyping stages and we had so many different ideas and so many of them were so fun, we invented a mechanic that would make them plausible within the context of the game. So, yeah, Mario can become a T-Rex or Mario can co take control of the enemies, and that's because of the hat. So the idea of we are multiple prototypes and we just make them happen, so we discover new gameplay ideas, that, that was fascinating to me. And sort of to to build this framework of we know that people love how we did Zelda differently. We know that people appreciate, even on a portable console, to have this big open world with a big map and you can fast travel to the checkpoints. So we're going to use that. But in addition, we're also going to take some super weird and new directions with what Mario can do. And, and they can do that with Mario, but it would be much harder to do with a completely new IP. Right. You know, because you've got to introduce a new world, a new IP, and new mechanics, and new new gameplay. With Mario, what they can do is, all right, everybody knows and loves this character. Now let's completely change things up. There's an element of safety and continuity in retaining that character that everybody knows and loves. But suddenly, 
here we have a completely new game. And they've done it so many times now that I I don't think it's an accident. It's not like they've just made, you know, recurring versions of a platform game through the years, is it? Yeah. Um, my, my, my only fear is that I, I have two main concerns now. Uh, and I, of course, I haven't played the game, but... The the first concern is this kind of looks like Sonic Adventure in the sense of mm-hmm. there's this weird contrast between the fantastic world of Super Mario and humans taking a cab in New York City. I wish that the humans didn't look the way that they look because they don't look yeah. good enough and they don't look weird enough. They're they're in they're in a very strange They look like mannequins. Yeah, it's not good. Like that is not good. Like it, it, I think it shows off some of the limitations of the Switch in a way that they would prefer it not to. Like they should be, I think, closer to Mario in design, right? Like why? I don't understand why it needs to be a human city, but named after Donkey Kong. Yeah, yes, like it's. It feels like they they only went like halfway through with it, like. Is it a human city or like what's the relationship between Mario and Mario's friends and New York? Like what's the like w- why is Mario so different? <laughs> I don't know. The, maybe that's maybe that's exactly the reason. It's just it's meant to be weird by design. So that could be. But my second concern is does it still feel like a platformer? Does it feel like a Mario game or is it more like Zelda, but instead of using a sword, you use a head and you jump sometimes? And I, I feel like I don't want to lose the sense of platforming and the sense of direct control that makes Mario unique, you know? I, and I don't want to end up with a, with a more colorful Zelda that has Mario instead of Link. But then you open Twitter and you watch the gameplay videos and people seem to be having fun. So what do we know? I remain hopeful for this game. Yeah. Yeah. The the most exciting announcement to me of the of the direct was Rocket League. Mm, yes. I'm very excited about Rocket League. I've played Rocket League a bunch on PlayStation and Rocket League is a perfect game for the Switch. It is a game that I've hoped that would be announced and it's coming this year. It's coming the holiday season this year. It's also very awesome that it has cross-network play. So you'll be able to play against players on other platforms. I believe that this is going... To, yeah, this is just uh, PC and Xbox right now. Yeah. Which is the same for uh, Minecraft. So the new Minecraft, you will sign in with an Xbox Live account to play even on the Switch. And so this is something that it seems like a bunch of different game companies are getting together but with one notable absent platform, which is PlayStation. And Mm. I saw this piece on The Verge today where they basically asked this question to both Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer. Jim Ryan of PlayStation gave gave an answer saying that they are concerned with uh, letting people outside of the PlayStation-curated universe because they they use the the excuse of children and external influences and it's something that they need to look after. And Phil Spencer, I think rightly so, got really mad about this. Uh, Yes. I want to read his quote because it's, it's better to hear it directly from him. So the fact that somebody would kind of make an assertion that somehow we're not keeping Minecraft players safe, I found not only from a Microsoft perspective, but from a game industry perspective, like, I don't know why this has to become the dialogue. This doesn't seem healthy for anyone. It feels like Sony are using some, like, weird excuse where they're trying to get people on their side to say that they're trying to keep people safe somehow as a reason that they're not doing this they're using the moral high ground of but we're doing it for the children uh because they for some business reason they or technical reason i don't know they don't want to get you know on board with nintendo and microsoft and the other guys and they'd be like oh we do it for safety i don't know i mean these other companies i mean we're talking about nintendo here uh, which is a company predicated upon selling consoles to children and families. Yep. If so, Nintendo can do it, anyone yeah, can do it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think this is a very good look for Sony. No. I think that this makes them look money-hungry, 
Like it makes them like they don't want people to dare leave the PlayStation universe. And like, and I get it, right? Like Microsoft want to do some of this, and Nintendo want to do some of this because they want to make their platform more appealing because they're not selling as many consoles as Sony. But in that regard, I feel like considering how well Sony's doing, why not open it up a little bit? Like, people are already buying your consoles in droves. Like, what's it going to hurt? Like, this might entice people to Microsoft more, right? Because <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like Sony's afraid of people uh, accidentally discovering that other people with different consoles <laughs> exist. Whoa, so you're, hang on a you're, play, you're playing online. You're like, oh, you're an Xbox user? Like, those people actually exist? Am I seeing another <laughs> world in front of me? Can I leave the PlayStation gates now? Um, like, I, I don't get it. Like, of course people know that other consoles exist. And of course people know that people other people play online like what could possibly go wrong if you let more people play together and it's not like again these other companies like microsoft and nintendo are just reckless and just getting anybody online i mean uh, it's it's like you said it's it doesn't look good for sony shahid what do you think (laughs) (laughs) you're very silent over there (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh, what I was doing was weighing up in my mind what I could get away with saying and what I couldn't get away with saying. There are a number of things at play here. First of all, you're absolutely right, Mike, in that Nintendo and Microsoft are not in the lead, certainly not yet, and therefore they need everything they can get. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that uh, Jim Ryan is a very experienced and savvy guy. Uh, I make no... Uh, bones about the fact that I have tremendous respect and admiration for him. But that's by the by. The thing is, he is savvy. And I think what he said is basically a holding pattern for the real reason, which is so obfuscated and obscure that I don't think anyone at uh, PlayStation Central actually has a complete grasp on the original rationale behind closing down the platform. And there are a lot of people who have have their own ideas. I know some of these people. They're extremely smart people. It's not like they, they don't appreciate that there is a positive to uh, having some kind of connection to other platforms, but there are also potential risks as well, and I don't think they're going to talk about those publicly. And those risks are not just about user security, though that is potentially an issue. You've got to think about which of these companies has been hurt the most by hacking in the past. And it certainly wasn't Microsoft or Nintendo. I don't know if you remember a, a little while back, it caused tremendous issues but they won't mention that but that could potentially be a cause there have been exceptions there have been a few games i believe there was one um i think it was a final fantasy game of some description that allowed cross-platform play and cross-platform monetization there are some games that do ps4 to pc in fact you know we we saw street fighter not that long ago had cross-platform play but it was not to other consoles um and there were some restrictions Mm. so it's not like playstation hasn't done cross-platform play before you know i worked on a title on vita football manager where there was a steam login allowed which is a remarkable opening up if you think about it you know you could log into your vita using a steam login to synchronize your steam version of football manager to get that data across so exceptions are made i just think as a general policy it's a conservative company who have been stung by what's happened there are all kinds of potential ramifications they've looked at and and they're going to be conservative in that regard i'd be very surprised if they came out tomorrow and said yeah guys look we're we're just opening up the platform now uh, and feel free to talk Mm. to whoever you want i just don't see them doing it i i hear you mike it is not a great look but i don't know i i I don't see them changing it mario plus rabbits uh was one of my favorite surprises from the show so So this game this game is again it's so weird but it's also so lovely and i was watching the interviews and the behind the scenes video and i didn't know the project has been mostly done in italy from ubisoft milan and it's so. It was heartwarming to see the creative director. Um, sort of. Uh, it was. You know. It was sort of crying. Yeah, it was crying. It's. It's beautiful. 
it's beautiful because when Miyamoto, so Miyamoto made an appearance at the Ubisoft event and uh, to talk with the with the Yves Guillemot, the Ubisoft president, and the creative director is Italian, I don't remember the name, uh, but he started crying. And you can tell also by watching the behind the scenes video that it was such a passion project for him to be able to get to work on a on a Nintendo game with Mario and to get direct feedback from Miyamoto. I mean, that has to be, if you're a game developer, that's the dream, right? And uh, looking at the game, it looks like what Nintendo and Yubi have done is a sort of more friendly, more approachable and colorful and funny XCOM. So it's a, it's a strategic shooter uh, with some, of course, really heavy tactical elements. Um, set in the Mario universe, which for some reason has been invaded by the rabbits. Uh, and the rabbits can take the, can wear different cost- costumes and resemble other Mario ca- characters. So there's Rabbit Peach, Rabbit Luigi. Uh, it's super weird and fun. And I think I'm, I'm going to get this game for sure. Uh, I feel like it's going to be perfect on the Switch from a portable perspective. I've never been uh, a huge fan of the way that XCOM looks. So to have the best features of XCOM in a, in a more colorful and Nintendo-like package, sign me up. So this was a genuine surprise for me. I'm, I agree with everything you said. Like, this feels like a game when I see it. I'm like, yeah, I can imagine sitting and killing some time on the Switch with this. Like, it yeah. feels like a weird game, but a, a, a fun game. Like, yeah. super strange to have, like, this... Mario with a gun game, but like, all right, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, a- anything that Miyamoto sells with a big smile and with an appearance on stage. How can you not? Want you know, it? you know. I'm, I I need to get the game. Uh, just give me two minutes here, Mike, to talk about Metroid Prime Four, which right, is a thing that okay. I'm totally saying right two now. Two minutes it on exists. the clock. Okay. <clears throat> Metroid Prime 4 is happening it's coming to the Switch we only have a logo teaser and an announcement My, uh, I swear I was holding my breath when the space graphics were coming out during the Nintendo video and then I started to see in the shape of a 4 and then the Metroid music started playing my god that was beautiful uh, I'm super excited we don't know anything else at this point well Reggie said in an interview it's gonna be a first pers- person adventure and it's not made by retro it's made by quote unquote a talented new team um, so yeah um, Metroid Prime 4 I bet it's gonna be the game at the next E3 and then it's probably coming out holiday season 2018. So mm-hmm. still a long ways off, uh, but I'm super excited. I just want to play the Prime Trilogy on the Switch now. It's all available on the Virtual Console for the Wii U. So Nintendo should do that on the Switch. And then there's a second Metroid game. I'm going over my two minutes. I'm sorry, Mike. There's another Metroid game for the 3DS. It's a remake of Metroid 2. It's called uh, Samus Returns. And funnily enough, we were talking about the fan-made remake of Metroid 2 just a few weeks ago. Well, now we know why Nintendo, you know, wanted to shut down the project. It's because they are doing it. And it's a two and, <laughs> it's, it's a two and a half D uh, Metroid, which is, it's a 2D, it's a 2D scrolling game with 3D graphics. Uh, looks great. There's a bunch of announcements from the original one. New, uh, I mean, b- besides the new graphics, same um, composer of... Super Metroid, which is great news because the the music of Metroid 2 was kind of here. Um, there's Amiibo integration. There's new Metroid Amiibo coming. There's some combat changes. Uh, there's I think there's a counter-attack move. Overall, this is not important for the game itself. I mean, of course it is, but really the idea of Nintendo still believes in Metroid or maybe Nintendo's finally figured out that people can give them a lot of money if they only made new Metroid, new actual Metroid content, not the Federation Force stuff, uh, which Mike really likes. Mike really likes Federation Force. Why would you do that th- to me? Don't put that hate on me. <laughs> no, that, that, is, that is not true. I'm just kidding. You think uh, I was really listening happy. to you. I was listening. <laughs> I'm just asking you. I'm really happy. Samus is not the classic female protagonist. She's tough. She's used to uh she's not a damsel in distress she's a survivor samus is awesome and this is gonna be great so i'm really happy this game is coming out in september on the 3ds which gives gives me a reason to keep using the 3ds uh and metroid prime 4 is launching sometime in the future and it's gonna be first person not the 
uh, you know, the other M style. So, yeah, super, super happy. I just have a smile on my face. I'm just so happy. I can tell. Mm-hmm. So there are new Yoshi and Kirby games. Very light yeah. teasers for those, but they're, they're both 2018 titles. Yeah, and the new Yoshi game looks kind of delightful. Instead of using the yarn, this time they're going cardboard. Yeah. So they have some unique mechanics, like you can flip the you can flip the stage and see the other side, like behind the cardboard, which is kind of funny. It just feels like Nintendo now can do Yoshi games only if they find a new material every single time. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Like, okay, yeah, plenty of choice on Planet yeah, Earth. It's like we promise this isn't Paper Mario. This is cardboard <laughs> Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh FIFA 18 on the Switch. Um it of course it's it's called FIFA 18 I think, but it's not the same FIFA 18 that you're going to get on PlayStation 4 and Xbox. It's not the first engine first of all, it's a custom engine for the Switch because you cannot run Frostbite on the Nintendo console. And it doesn't have all of the modes from FIFA 18 on PS4 and Xbox, but it is the real FIFA. It's got slightly worse graphics, somewhere in the middle between last gen and current gen. It doesn't have all the modes, but it's portable and it looks great and people seem to be having fun and I'm gonna get it because I really want a soccer game on my Switch. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> you- uh, see, okay, that's my thing. I don't follow soccer. I have no idea what teams are strong or not. I just love playing <laughs> soccer games. Okay. I get it. Like, I, if ever I play them, I enjoy you know? them. I think this is the best possible news we could have got for the FIFA game because the note that they're not including the journey mode is not the m- mode that most people want, right? This is a, like a career mode yeah. of a story, which is yeah. something that they've just started doing in EA are doing in all of their sports games now as a way to try and differentiate them year on year. But this isn't mm-hmm. what the people that really play these games are super excited for on the whole. They want a career mode in the essence that you have a team and you take them through a league and all of that's there. The multiplayer is all there like this is the game this is honestly like i think the best case scenario that we would have got for fifa 18 you know that they're they've created like maybe a new engine or they're enhancing on an engine from previous gen somewhere between previous and current like this is great news because as well that's a lot of investment from ea right like to to have gone through and made something for the switch so this is good news this is this is good news for fifa more happy teaching news. One of my favorite games what from a the great game, game from the Game Boy Advance era, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, is getting a remaster on the 3DS. Again, one more reason to keep using the 3DS. Well, as well as the new Pokemon, right? Poke- was it Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Yeah, from the direct that they did last week. Uh, so that we're getting the the enhanced Pokemon games with new story and new. New locations even, maybe, they said? I don't remember. Anyway, Superstar Saga getting a remaster looks fantastic. The humor from the original uh, game, if you didn't play it when it came out 14 years ago, uh, it was so funny. Even the I remember, clearly, the Italian translation was so well done. Uh, so I'm looking forward to playing again in English this time. Um, we got more info from the... As, uh, as I was hoping, from the Zelda DLC... So it's uh, the the expansion pass is gonna sp- be split in two parts. The first one, the first DLC, is called the Master Trials, and it's coming out in the end uh, at the end of the month, June thirty. And this looks great because it looks like an yeah. expanded version of like my favorite part of Zelda. You know, when you go to that island and you have to like yeah start from scratch. That's what this looks like. You go into a, a, an environment and you start from scratch with no weaponry, and you have to build your way up. Um, that I really like the look of that. Is that the one where if you get through it, the Master Sword is remains charged, or is that a different part of the DLC pack? I don't. Remember. I, I don't. I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, but, but it looks uh, great. Uh, yeah, it does, and it's. I think the update will also bring the like you can see on the map where you've been. Yeah, the hero's path. Uh, the hero's path. So that's gonna be useful. And the second DLC, which will come out during the holiday season, I think. Uh, it will be, f- uh, we don't know any more details on the story, but it'll, it'll be focused on the champions. So the four champions from the from the game. Yeah. No spoilers, but, you know, it'll be it'll be about that. And we're also getting amiibos for those characters. Of course we are. Uh, and there's going to be a single pack to get all of those four amiibos in a single purchase, which I will try to buy. You will never be able to buy it. I know. Uh, 
we didn't get any Smash Brothers announcements, which a lot of people were expecting. It's probably going to be a direct at some point in the future. Pokemon, like the full Pokemon RPG game, was only teased. And Nintendo said, Game Freak is working on a new core game, a new core Pokemon RPG. Uh, and that's it. No logo, they no said name. It's, it's probably a year away. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm cool with this, right? Look, if you're working on it, like, this is what I want, right? Like, it's what it sounds like is it isn't a remastered version of Sun and Moon, which would have been great in the meantime, because I don't really want to play my 3DS anymore. I might check out the other ones, depending on what else I've got to play around the holiday season. But, like, this is this is what we're looking for, right? Like, a core Pokemon game, which, when they say core, they don't mean, like, that GameCube game that they brought out, mm. right? Or, like, Pokemon Snap. We're talking, like, real deal, <laughs> core RPG <laughs> Pokemon game. Pokemon Snap. Made for the Switch. Like, this yeah. is really exciting. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm bummed I have to wait, but I will wait if it's what I hope I'm going to get. Yeah. Um, and also, we didn't get any Animal Crossing news, which I still believe it's going to be perfect on the Switch, and it's going to be a real they know problem. That. A real... I, think, I think that both Animal Crossing and Smash Brothers are both in development right now, but they just, they're not ready to talk about them. Whether they're too far away or they want to do a surprise later on. We'll see. So overall, uh, this probably won't come as a surprise to anyone, but m- I feel like Nintendo won E3 again, f- at least for me this year. Like my personal, that they were always uh, going to win it for for us, right? Because this is the system we're most invested in. Yeah, I guess. But it, it just what what you said about the other, uh, like a lot of games looking similar to each other. And Nintendo keeps feeling like a safe haven of difference. And it's just everything looks so unique and so Nintendo. There's just no way, no other way to describe it. Uh, I'm looking at the other trailers and I'm like, okay, I need to shoot people. I need to survive zombies. And there's the war is going on. I'm back. I'm flying on an airplane and I'm dropping a bomb on a city. Fine. It looks pretty, but it's kind of heavy. And then Nintendo just makes me smile, and and that's what I and I feel like it's like having a, a fresh glass of water. It just feels great when Nintendo comes on and do their show. Um, I I have some concerns about the 2018 lineup. Once Nintendo is done with the Zelda expansions, once they're done with Mario, so far it seems like, especially in the first half of 2018. Um, we don't even know if Yoshi and Kirby are coming out before June. So we don't have a lot of details on the 2018 lineup. Uh, and I don't want to end up in a situation where Nintendo uh, used their best assets in the first year of the of the Switch. And then we have six months of basically nothing until we wait for the holiday season 2018. So next year. So that's my concern. But overall, um, I feel like I got everything I was I was hoping for, Metroid... Um, more details on Zelda, Mario gameplay. So it was a good E3 from f- for me. Speaking of Nintendo stuff, I was kind of disappointed by by Sony and PlayStation. I feel like they could have done so much more. Um, and Microsoft, I I keep. I, I mean, I appreciate what they're doing with the uh, from a technical point with the new Xbox. It just, you know, the company never really spoke to me, and uh, but but I feel like if you're an Xbox user, DZ3 was not too bad. So yeah, uh, really, the in a, in a in an ideal ranking, uh, I think Sony would be last for me this time. I agree with you. I mean, I will say one last thing on Nintendo. They there are a bunch of games that Nintendo have announced that we have no more information about, like a lot of the indie titles. Like Stardew Valley and Overcooked, and and they were in that original twenty game direct that they did about the indie games coming to the Switch. Mm. Not many of them have come out, and we have no more information about them. My hope is that it's because they have the rest of this year and into the next, into next year of like games that they need to fill out, right? Because they still said, and it's still happening, like basically a game a week has been coming out on the Switch. So I'm hoping that they're just kind of holding some of those off, but I'm waiting for those. There are a couple of games in there that I'm really excited to play, so still waiting for dates. But yeah, I agree with you. I think 
it doesn't you know it makes sense for us like that Nintendo would have the the best show that we're most interested in because it's just just where we are right now with games but um I am I am very interested for the Xbox One X and Sony had some interesting stuff but I don't I don't think that this was their year and I I didn't expect it to be either honestly the way that it's stacked up is kind of where I thought it was going to be just based upon what we were expecting to come out of the con- out of E3 this year but yeah we're we're getting Metroid. So, oh, God, you know, here we go again. B- we have to by, cut it. By, cut the show. By definition, it's the best E3 so far because yeah. we're not getting mm-hmm. not one Metroid announcement, but oh, two <laughs> in a single day, which, I mean, uh, it doesn't... Has, has it ever happened before, like in this decade or maybe in the past two decades? So, yeah, best E3 so far because Samus is back and he's coming for you. 